Well, here we go. Let's read the whole passage uh, together first, and then we'll come back to the first verse there. We're going to start here in chapter 5, verses 16, the last little section there of chapter 5, and then go through the first section of chapter 6. And uh, so we'll read through it here and then jump back to chapter 5, verse 16. Let's go ahead and read that together. It says this, 2 Corinthians five sixteen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 1, Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true as unknown and yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. Let's jump back, verse 16, chapter 5. We're going to work through that section from verses 6 through 21. And they they form the foundation for what we'll talk about in chapter 6 here. They say this, verse 16, from now on, that is, after having been converted, after having been reborn and clothed with Christ, which was talked about another section there earlier, therefore... Therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh after having been reborn. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer, it says. He's saying that we no longer make superficial personal judgments based on outside, based on external appearances. In other words, now that we are in Christ, now that we're clothed with Christ, the terms have just totally changed. The gospel gospel changes the playing field changes the names of the positions on the playing field. The terms are different now. The gospel is about matter of the heart. Matters of the heart and not superficial externals. It's about, 
It's not about Jew and Gentile. It's not about male and female. It's not about Chucky Doke and GHS or, you know, county city. It's, it's about two categories of life now that exist because of the inward work of Christ. You're either in Christ or you're not. That's the new category. That's the new humanity that is set up because of the cross of Christ and his work for us. You're either in Christ or you're not. Period. Two kinds of people in life now. And and as proof, look back at 5.12 here. It's a cool verse here. Just a few verses back. Paul says uh, that his theological opponents, he's trying to defend himself in this passage here. He's defending his own ministry, um, which he's had to do a number of times in, in the New Testament. He says that his theological opponents here in Corinthians, who think he's crazy, they believe the gospel that he preached was wrong. They're the ones who were boasting about the outward appearance. So Paul is saying that this gospel is not about flesh. It's not about outward appearance of change, but it is fundamentally about the more important internal heart change from where all outward expression comes. So don't miss this because it's huge for us today. The gospel is about the inward rebirth of the heart that ushers forth in good deeds. Many of you have heard that a hundred times, if not a thousand times. Outward works come from the inward truth and reality of Christ's work in us and for us on the cross. That's why Paul says this, verse 17, Therefore, because of that now, if anyone is in Christ... There's that phrase representing the new category of person in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We're new creatures, some versions say. We were sinful rebels who are made into new beings by Christ's work. And it says the old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Paul structures his words here very carefully in a way to stress that this new order and way of living is now in place. The old person is, in fact, gone and dead. No longer in existence. It's, a, it's an entirely new being. The new person that was once gone and dead, is now gone and dead, is now here and alive. One person says it this way. When a person becomes a Christian, he or she experiences a total restructuring of life that alters its whole fabric. Thinking, feeling, our willing, and our acting Whatever, whatever way you want to describe how it is that you live and breathe and do and act and think and behave, the new category of being in Christ encompasses all of that and more. So when he says here in verses 18 to 21, don't miss this, when he says here in verses 18 to 21 that we are now ministers of reconciliation, What he's saying is the entire purpose of our lives has fundamentally changed. To be called a minister of reconciliation because of being in Christ is to have a brand new purpose in life. We now, as new creatures, have a new mission. And we carry on this message of Everything being either in Christ or not in Christ. It's not just us. All things that will be renewed are either in Christ or not in Christ. He says this, verse 18, All of this is from God, 
In other words, God did this. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, as a result of that, the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation is that key term here. It's, it's not that, that God ignores our hostility against him. <laughs> In fact, he understands the full weight of it, does not ignore it. And in order for you to be saved, he can't just ignore it like it didn't happen. Something has to account for sin. It's not like God suddenly forgets. But it is that God totally and objectively removes the hostility, removes the curse of sin, removes the effects of our rebellion against him. One of the fancy words for that is atonement or justification. It's our legal standing before God as having had that removed. You can look at uh, Ephesians 2, 11-22 if you're taking notes for more on that, how, how he removes the, the dividing wall of hostility, uh, not just between us and God, but also horizontally with us and others. Uh, that's a good verse for that, Ephesians 2, 11-22. So in other words, Christ's perfect life, his perfect sinless life, sacrificed on the cross is what cleanses us from the guilt of sin and is what restores us to a perfect relationship with God. And that's what's expressed in verse 19. That is, in Christ, in this new relationship of being in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them and in so doing, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So he accomplished reconciliation for us. And then, amazingly, here's the rub. This is the awesome part. He gave us that same responsibility. You see, being in Christ, if it's about just receiving it for you, is a hoarding of the truths of the gospel that maligns the very purposes for which Jesus died to save you. The irony and selfishness of hoarding that to ourselves. Of, of, of feeling like, if I punch my time clock, and I've got my material ducks in a row, and I feel really no compunction whatsoever to continue the ministry of reconciliation that I have enjoyed that's made me content. Don't miss the selfish, sad irony of that. In fact, it's alluded to a little later on here. In verse 1, chapter 6. So the awesome part is that He accomplished it for us and then He gives us that same ministry. That doesn't mean that, that when we interact with others and in our being evangelistic and, and, and reaching out to others in the name of Jesus or, or giving somebody a cup of cold water or, or, or taking care of the material needs in the name of Jesus. When we communicate the gospel, it doesn't mean that because of that work, like you're going to ma magically bring somebody to Christ because of that thing that you did. But insofar as God uses us to reflect what he did on the cross, to carry out that same ministry of reconciliation that starts there, that we carry on, if a heart's ready to receive it, he'll use it. And that's the awesome part. 
That's the awesome part. And that's why he calls us, verse 20, ambassadors. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As if God is making his appeal through us. We're mediators, we're messengers, we're ambassadors. We're carrying on that same reconciliation we've enjoyed from the cross to other people. So in verse 20, Paul gets to be in a messenger. He gets to the task. He gets to preaching to those who may not be in Christ. Look at verse 20. He says, we then implore you. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Yes, he's talking to people primarily who he's defending in his ministry and in that church where he had been, but he believes clearly here that some of those people did not get it still. And we're not following Christ. So to be an ambassador for Christ doesn't have to be outside of these four walls. It can be with people in our own congregation. He says, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin. The one who knew no sin, who was perfect, was made to be sin functionally for us. In other words, he made Christ to be sin even he was sinless. So that in him, in Christ, we might become righteousness. We might enjoy the benefits and the fruits of perfect righteousness that we never could if he didn't die for us. Right standing with God. That's the the legal justification part. So the key is, as we continue to move on here, the key to verses 16 to 21 here is that the gospel is fundamentally uh, an inward change that ushers forth in outward expression. <laughs> but, but because we are driven by our sinful desire to please ourselves and to please other people, and because we respond out of fear, and because we want to achieve and measure our own goodness, we get the gospel backwards. We, we turn it upside down. And this is in your, your sermon notes there in the, in the bulletin. It says this, we get the gospel backward when we focus on a pretend or outward expression of change as a replacement for actual inward spiritual change. We get it backward when when external expression of change that is pretense, that is based on relational fears of other people, based on other people liking us, based on us achieving righteousness we never could. And we'll come to the end of that. We've all experienced that, those of us who have lived for any period of time. You will come to the end of that time and time again. When we focus on a pretense of outward change. There was a, there was a Christian artist named Steve Taylor who had a song called, I Want to Be a Clone. Cloneliness is next to godliness, right? We, we do that. We force people to outward expressions of change so that I can feel comfortable with them. What if, what, if we fought, what if we fought spiritual warfare like these first believers in chapter 6 here? We'll get there in a second. We all know that inward change is in a sense harder than outward. Outward change is easier. It's why churches and Christian relationships can easily become battlefields for like silly things that are just like 
not important. And when we do that, when we, when we find things that aren't gospel and we put them up in the place of gospel and we get it upside down, what happens is we become so distracted by that that we become ineffective ministers of reconciliation. It hinders our ability to go outward. It hinders our ability to serve others. When we continue to become distracted by these things that are about our own self-righteousness, instead of loving the justified righteousness we enjoy in Jesus, over and against and above all other forms of righteousness we create. When, when we love that righteousness more than His righteousness for us, it hinders our ability to be a witness. It distracts us. Our efforts and our time and our energies are not about selflessly letting Jesus do whatever He wants to make us be slandered. Sleepless nights, beatings, imprisonments, calamities. That list doesn't apply to people unless they selflessly, Jesus Christ-like, give themselves to it. So the, the upside-down gospel of our own works is what makes us unfruitful at times. The upside-down gospel of our own works will render us unfruitful for the gospel. Now remember that Paul was teaching here in verse 16, and that we just read, that from now on we regard no one according to the flesh. In other words, this gospel is not about the flesh, the outward appearance of change, but it is fundamentally about the more important internal change of heart from where all outward expression Comes. That's why we as a church, that's why we as Christians, that's why the body believers is primarily about heart change. Heart change is our goal. I know of people receiving notes because they don't sing well. That's not a heart change goal. I know of people in churches hearing church folks say things. And that person who came to visit, not here, I know of another couple places elsewhere. That person said, I will never, I will never step foot again. That person said something to a guest in their church because it was all about them. You're sitting in my seat. Could you be quiet when you sing? Really, could you, could you wear something a little nicer? Who's that all about? It's an upside-down gospel. We're in the business of heart change, and that's why we sing from the inside out. In my heart, in my soul, Lord, I give you control. So the principle, the accompanying truth from that first thing we talked about is this, and this is the second couple of blanks in your notes here. Uh, demonstrating the gospel with integrity and power must be an outward expression of the inward reality of your love for Jesus 
and for the precious truth that he alone can reconcile my relationship with him. To demonstrate the gospel effectively with integrity and with power has to be an outward expression of the inward reality of one's own love for Jesus and for this precious truth that he alone reconciles a relationship with God. You cannot minister out of emptiness or pretense. It will eventually show itself as coming from you every single time. And on the contrary, when you get the gospel the right way through Christ's work in us, which we'll talk about here in chapter 6, when we get the gospel the right way through Christ's work in us, when we do anything good, it's because we love the truth that God objectively and totally removes the hostility and our rebellion and the consequences of our sin. It's because we love the truth that he fully and he finally removed the consequences of our rebellious sin against him. In other words, I love it so much That truth I love so much that I can't do anything other than turn my whole life into ministry of reconciliation. I will filter it all through that now. That's what Paul is saying. It means that all the ways we outwardly express the truth of the gospel with our time, with our talents, with our money, with our words, with our behavior, all of it, all of it, all of our outward expressions of goodness that fit with the gospel come from a loving response to Jesus' work in our lives. So if you love Jesus, you will show it. That's what he's saying. If you love Jesus, you will show it. I'm no Solomon of wisdom but I know what an apple looks like. That's what Jesus says. It's the measure of whether or not you're a follower. It's the only thing we see in the New Testament, really. Fruit. I know what an apple looks like. He's saying if you love Jesus, you'll show it. If you love Jesus, you will give your money away if it means somebody coming to know Jesus. If you love Jesus, you will use your home as a place of hospitable care for others. If you love Jesus, you will read his words and treasure them in your heart. If you love Jesus, you will tell others about him. Friends, if you love Jesus, your entire heart will be on the mission of reconciliation. Your whole life will become a partnership with God to bring people to himself. And anything less than that will not satisfy you. And you will go to... Whatever length need be that we've just read here in chapter 6. To prove it not to people, but to God. Because He's worthy alone. That's why it says this in chapter 6, verse 1. Our whole life will be partnership with Him. It says, working together with Him. That is the cool phrase right there. Working together with Him. In other words, with what Christ has accomplished for us. We work out what Christ has worked in. Working together with Him then, working with God in Christ, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Don't let this precious treasure of God's grace that you receive go to waste, He said. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let the truth that Christ has removed that enmity, that strife, that that dissension between you and God, don't let that go to waste. 
If you get to the end of your life and you, you find your resources are, are things that you regret not using for the sake of the gospel, start now. Don't let your bank account and your talent with an instrument and your, your love for teaching kids and your willingness to coordinate treats for a class and your, your leadership ability and your beautiful house and your days off from work and your lake house and your 401k, don't let those go to waste. Use it for the kingdom because you love Jesus so much that you, you can't imagine not using what He's given you for the sake of other people. Don't let it go to waste. Verse 2. For behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. There may not be a chance tomorrow, so don't waste your life. Paul didn't, and it's why he can say this. Verse 3. We put no obstacle in anyone's way. (laughs) That's a a selfless way of saying whatever, whatever comes my way, Jesus I don't want to be an obstacle to somebody else for them to know Christ. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with with our ministry. He's saying, I'm not going to be the one. I will not be the one who hesitates to use my life to demonstrate the gospel. He's saying, I'm prepared. But as servants of God, verse 4, as slaves in his army, we commend ourselves to prove ourselves. We commend ourselves in every possible way. And then he lists all these things. Let them soak in as, as, as de- demonstrations of the extent to which Paul will go and we are called to go if it means that we get to participate in the ministry of reconciliation, the greatest calling any of us could ever, ever have. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no one may find fault with our ministry, but as servants of God, as slaves, as servants in His army, we commend ourselves in every way, he says, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Then he lists a different category. By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, by genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. In other words, fully equipped, like like Ephesians 6 says, ready for spiritual battle. At all times, verse 8, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, in good and bad, when it's hard or when it's easy, we are treated as impostors and yet are true to the mission and to the cause, he is saying. We do it if we're unknown, if we're well-known. We do it as dying, and behold, we live as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet because of being poor, we make many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. He says, we've we've spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us. But if you are, it's because you're restricted in your own affections. Paul is able with integrity to say, I have ministered as, as part of this task 
that God's given me to reconcile people to Himself. I have, I have done it with integrity in a way which means that if it's going to be that you're not with Jesus forever, it's not going to be because I didn't do what God called me to do. And that's a good place to be. That's a contentment and a peace and a sense of being right smack dab in the sweet spot of where God wants you. That's confirmation of fruitfulness. That's knowledge of being a servant in His army. It's a good place to be. He says, I've done my part. I've shown you what the gospel looks like. You've seen it. Time's a wasting. <laughs> so joyfully pour yourself into working with God to bring people to Himself. There's a great little saying I found a few years ago that's in your study notes there. It's from a book called Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. It says, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The satisfaction of looking our Master in the face where He says, well done, good and faithful servant, is something we clearly see that Paul enjoyed here. That he knew he would see Him in heaven and be called one of his own. Don't you want that? Don't you want to be found faithful with what He's given you, with what He's done for you? 